this is Rob Coburn, and we are excited that you're joining with us today. If you're a part of the Summit Dover family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at the Summit Dover on all social media outlets and on our website, thesummitdover.com. We can get you plugged into our app or our YouTube channel, as well as giving options and opportunities to connect with the Summit Dover family all around the world. I hope this word today encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. So last week we talked about a fence. And in two and three quarter years of pastoring as the lead pastor of this church, I don't believe that I've ever preached on a topic in which I've had more phone calls, coffees, lunches, uh, counseling sessions, um, in one week. I haven't. I mean, we've talked about the kingdom. We've talked about healing. We've talked about all these different topics. And yes, people need help in all of it. I get it. But this week, literally, the schedule went out the window and I was meeting with people all the time. Phone calls. One day, I think there were 13 phone calls just about this topic. Just about this topic. If this is, if it's that serious that one sermon opens up this whole box of all this brokenness, then I'm here to tell you we ain't moving. We're going to stay here until we find healing. We're going to stay here until we find wholeness. But there's an attitude change that I think we need to go through first as a family. Now, we've been doing growth track downstairs, and all the people that are in growth track, thanks for coming and being a part of it. We want to welcome you into the church. It's awesome. Um, but we talk about growth track, about being a family, and a family means that we celebrate together, we mourn together, we do life together, we don't just show up on Sunday and talk to each other, and we have goals and dreams and visions, and we help each other achieve them. That's what family is about. Now, many people do not have that in the natural world. They don't have a family like that. So when they get integrated into a family that's like that, that has vision and leadership, it can be a little scary. But our goal is, as family, that we stand with one another and that we, we actually celebrate with one another. And I want to go to a scripture that I talked about last week, and I didn't read it all because we don't have time to do that all the time, but I wanted to read this. And this is when David goes and gets the, gets the ark, and he's bringing it back, and then Yuzah dies because he touches the ark because they weren't doing holding the presence the way that God had told them to hold the presence in the Levitical law. And so Uzzah dies, David's offended, then the, the ark goes to this other person's place and blessing begins to arise. Okay, blessing begins just to come because they're hosting the presence in the right way. I'm believing that because our heart and all of our intention is to host God's presence the right way that we'll begin to see blessings we could never even imagine. That's what's happening, right? And so when you get offended with a person or a situation, and then you see that person blessed, what happens? Well, in a, sick, in a sick way, you get more offended. Because now that person who offended me in the first place, who I took the offense, they can't offend you, by the way, you have to take it. So I took the offense from that person, now they're being blessed, now I'm gonna go have a bigger pity party. Right? That's what happens sometimes. Because, but maybe... They're just doing what the Lord's asking them to do, and maybe you're the problem. So David, he's in this situation. One of his men who he had told him to do the cart deal, and uh, they weren't doing it the right way, and so he dies. And so as a leader, when somebody does something that you tell them, but they did it the wrong way, and then they die, ugh, there's a weight. And so David has this weight on him, and he's He's processing what Obed-Edom, the blessing that's coming on them because they're hosting the presence the right way. And, uh, and he says, wait a minute. I can't go back and have a deeper pity party and be more offended. I have to change something. And this is why I love this story so much because this is, do you realize that Jesus is on David's throne? The heart that God wants is this heart. You may get offended but are you going to go back and really evaluate what it is? And so in, in this, I'll just start in verse 12. Now it was told King David saying, the Lord has blessed, sorry, this is 2 Samuel 6. 
Uh, now it, it was told King David saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. They're hosting the presence correctly. So the blessing sits there. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. With gladness. It doesn't, why, why did he put that in there? Why is that in the scripture? His attitude coming out of an offense is one of joy. That is not the people that I've hung out with my whole life. People coming out of offense still have some residue. Now, I want you to know that I'm talking about me just like you. This goes directly to the speaker. I've I've come out of offense and I've had a stench. Man, it got quiet. It got quiet. Man, we're hitting the right buttons. The Lord said if they're quiet, they're getting it. So what did he do? He came out of this offense and he said, listen, I have to change me. I don't have to change them, I have to change me. And so, a lot of times when we hear about changing us, it doesn't result in gladness. But in verse 13 it says, and so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. He had a party, right? Now, 14, this is where I believe the church has completely missed it. I've missed it, you've missed it. If we own up to missing it, we can change it. Do you realize that if you don't own up to a mistake, you can't ever change it? So this is where I think we've missed this. Verse 14. Then David danced before the Lord with all of his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark with shouting and with the sound of a trumpet. He is totally bound up in a fence, went back and pouted in his city. And the Lord comes upon him, he he actually understands that he's in the wrong he decides i'm going to go fix this i have to get the presence of god back in my life if you're offended the presence of god not with you and so you're offended you can't even host the presence so what happens is he says i gotta go fix this he's happy about it he goes back to obed-edom and it says that they have a party they're excited now i was with the angels last night we were praying over you we were de- declaring things and I commissioned the angels I just want to make they, sure they did their job would everybody stand up now I asked the angels last night because I didn't think there were but I asked them to come in the room and remove all the seat belts from the chairs can you please examine your chair to make sure that they're all gone they're all gone there's no seat belts okay you can have a seat you see, the, the thing about the church is that when you come out of a fence, when you're supposed to have an emotional reaction of happiness and joy, most of the time, we express that happiness and joy by sitting there and smiling at the pastor. <laughs> Do you want breakthrough or not? I'm trying to help you here. If you want breakthrough... You've got to have your soul engaged because breakthrough, yes, comes through the spirit, totally. Last week we had 20-some people up here all getting ministered to, breaking off offenses, doing that. That happens in the spirit. But if you don't tell your soul that something's changed and your soul doesn't get excited, you're going right back to the seat and you're going to put right back, that, that, right back on because your soul is conditioned to what your spirit has been covered with. So if you've been offended for 30 years at someone, then your spirit gets transformed in a service like last week where you just get free. And I can't even tell you the testimonies. But you just get free, just like you were born again. You're free. But you go back and you have no emotional change. You have no circle change. You're not talking to different people. You're talking to the same offended people that you were talking with before. You do all of those things, guess what? Your spirit may be free, but the rest of you is still bound up and you're not producing fruit. And so in the church, I believe that the religious spirit in the church has kept us in seatbelts because I can't express myself because people called us the Holy Roller Church. (laughs) Believe me, I've heard it all. That's the Holy Roller Church over there in Dover. Well, guess what? If we aren't holy rolling, then we're missing Jesus. I'm sorry, but if you can't stand up and shout, if you can't be excited that you're free from something that's held you for 20 years, if you can't be free about that, then you are bound up. 
And you're never going to be free until you get that into your soul and say, listen, I don't feel like dancing today. My back hurts, but I'm dancing because I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. I'm dancing today. And you don't know what might fall off when you dance. In David's case, it was his clothes. (laughs) In your case, it might be sickness, disease, heartache, calluses. But we've been so tied to our seats. And then we look around as the church and we say, we want the world to want to come in here. They don't want to be in a seatbelt in a car, let alone in church. Ask any of the police officers around. Nobody wants to wear them. So what happens? David has this encounter And he says, wow, I'm happy, I'm gonna dance, I'm bringing the presence of God back into my life. If you broke something off last week and you brought the presence of God back in your life, you should be shouting this morning. I just just shouted. I had one call this week and I literally got off the phone and I just screamed in my truck. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Somebody's free after years and decades of brokenness. So what happened? Verse 16, now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, David's wife, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in the place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it, and David Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. I I don't think you're out there blessing people if you're bound up in offense. Then he distributed all among among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread and a piece of meat and a cake of raisins. So all the people departed everyone to her house. You aren't feeding people healthy things if you're bound in offense. My other assessment of this is, if you don't have joy in your heart, you're not doing that either. Verse 20, then David returned to bless his household. If you're bound up in offense, you're probably not speaking blessing over your wife or your husband or your children. How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants This is his wife, a little jaded. As one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself, verse 21, so David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord. And I will even be more undignified than this and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. Verse 23, therefore Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children until her death. Because of her offense, at the joy that comes from leaving offense, she became barren. Now, thank the Lord we have a new covenant. And if we're barren today, it doesn't mean we're barren tomorrow. She sort of got a bad deal. She was done forever. We don't have to wait. We don't have to be barren the rest of our lives. We don't have to not produce fruit in the kingdom because we were offended once. If we deal with the offense and we deal with it with joy, and we start to change who we are because we understand that we might not be carrying or hosting the Lord the right way, and we become changed, we receive from Jesus everything that he paid for us on the cross. And so we find this freedom in him that she couldn't have. And because she was offended, she was barren the rest of her life. And I'm here to tell you, if you've been barren in your marriage, if you've been barren in your, in your walk with Jesus, if you've been barren in your ministry, if things have been just rough for you, it can all change because Jesus went and he not only took the pain of the cross, he took the iniquity of the cross, he took everything for you and all you have to do is receive it 
and you become fruitful. But you cannot be fruitful. You cannot have a fruitful life. You cannot have a fruitful marriage. You cannot have a fruitful business. You cannot have a fruitful anything if you're offended. If you're offended, you will always lack fruit every day of your life. And so we talked about many different stories last week, but I wanted to, I wanted to go back to the parable. Now, Jesus tells parables why. He's hiding the truth from people who can't handle it. I know that's probably a new definition for some of you. But he hides truth in parables because some people can't handle the truth. And so this is what he says. If you turn with me to Mark 4, he talks about the heart, our heart, being fertile soil or not fertile soil, but it is the soil that produces fruit in our life. That's our heart. Our heart is not a, an organ that just beats in there. It is an attitude and it is a place where God can put truth and then it produces fruit in our life or can produce weeds in our life. So Mark 4, verse 13, and he's, wait, let's go back to 10. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the 12 asked him the parable. And he said to them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. He hides truth in parables because people can't handle the truth, and when they receive the truth, then they understand the parable. And he said to them, Know ye not this parable, and how then you will know all parables, reading in the King James because it has an amazing phrase in it. The sower soweth the word. He's not sowing corn. He's sowing the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. So there's people on the wayside that God sows truth out there and before it ever takes root in their heart, the enemy takes it and it's gone. And these are likewise which are sown on stony ground who when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness. Do you realize that when you receive a piece of truth from the Lord, there should be an emotional response to it? That's why I had him remove all the seatbelts because you should be standing up and shouting when God gives you some truth because that truth can change generations. The truth can change generations if you let it. But if you're just stoic and we just do this the same way every week and then we leave here and go do nothing with it, it's not changing a generation. Verse 17. So let's go back. I'll read it and continue. Verse 16. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Yes. And have no root in themselves. And so it endures for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. When the world turns a little dark and you have no root system, for truth, when the world turns a little dark, you become offended. And what happens? That is the way that the enemy steals the word from your life. So there are people out there that read the Bible and get nothing from it. They don't perceive anything. They read it as a book. And I'm glad they're reading it. It's amazing. The Holy Spirit can smack it and boom, good. Read it but they don't receive anything. The enemy steals it before it ever makes it into their heart. It's all just a head game. They just read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible, but nothing ever changes their heart. Never takes root. That's one type of ground. The second type of ground is the people that read the word and they're excited about the word, but then the world starts to torment them and things get a little hard. And so because that, that word never really took a hard root inside their heart, they become offended at what? The word. They get offended at the word. And because they're offended at the word, the enemy says, oh, you can't, you can't produce fruit. So why would I even leave seed there? 
Because offended soil can't produce fruit. An offended heart can't produce fruit. If you're offended in your mind, you can't produce fruit. And so for decades, I've been studying and looking at the word and reading and listening to sermons and hearing pastors talk about revival and all this stuff. And we've been praying for revival. We've been praying for all this. And then I came to realize that it's probably offense that is taking the word from taking root and so we don't produce fruit. And in Luke 17, Jesus said, then he said to the disciples, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. It's impossible. They are coming. Every day you have an opportunity to be offended. And so offense, as I said last week, has probably taken out more Christians than sin. Because offense makes you not be able to produce fruit. And if you're not producing fruit, you're not a threat to the enemy. And so we have a culture that is easily offendable. Can you look around and see how many people just get offended at the littlest things? So as I was allowing the Lord to change me this week about this topic, I said, okay, so we had people up here that got changed. I know there's people in the seats that got changed and I got lots of phone calls and did lots of ministry and it's been amazing. But that's one segment of it. The Lord did one thing. What if you had more than one? What if you've been carrying around more than one offense and the Lord didn't take care of all of it because you weren't aware of it? I said, okay, Lord, now you got me thinking. Because if that's the case, then this is a lot deeper than what I even thought. So what do you want to do? And he said, I want you to explain what this actually looks like in your life. So I'm going to teach for a few moments, if that's okay. I'm going to teach you what it looks like when an offense comes your way, and I'm going to teach you what you probably do with it, and then I'm going to tell you what the Lord wants to do with it. So when you have an offense, this is the trip stick. Talked about this last week. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. There was a cool little demonstration. When you get offended, you can walk around your whole life not offended. This thing doesn't matter. You can carry it in your pocket. It doesn't hurt you. I've had it in my pocket the whole time. It didn't bite me. Okay? But when I take offense, what happens is the trap is set in my life. The trap is set at that moment. That means that from now on, I am actually activated. I have an offense. And that is a trigger for something to happen bad in my life. Now, if you're offended and that is the trip stick, that isn't what kills you. Am I, am I correct? The trip stick doesn't kill you. What happens when it's tripped? The trip stick flips backwards and then you hear crack. Fla, 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 fla. <laughs> but the trip stick didn't kill him. Did it? Did the trip stick kill the, the mouse? No. What killed the mouse? The bar. That's what snaps the neck, right? So when you walk around offended, it's not really the trip stick. That's just the trigger. The offense that you have toward your spouse or the offense you have toward the pastor or the offense that you have toward your boss or the offense you have toward what, whatever. That's just the trigger. It's not what kills you. What kills you is when you allow that thing to set the trap and then release the trap, then that stuff is what kills you. So what are, what's that stuff? What's that stuff? I thought it was offense last week when you were teaching Pastor Rob. I thought it was the offense that killed me. No, it's not. It's the bitterness. It's the unforgiveness. It's the sickness and disease that comes when you trigger the trap. And so we have lots of people walking around. They're set. They've got offense. They walk around. And one thing can set them off one thing can kill them with bitterness and unforgiveness that they don't even want to deal with so you may have that I'm talking to a group of people in a in a church this size there's people that still have offense this morning so I'm going to give you a grid to judge where you're at how's that 
So number one, what do you do when you set the trap and you're, you have a fence? If you've noticed, I haven't touched it with two hands. Yeah, I learned. <laughs> Don't touch it with two hands. By the way, I had that, that paint stick last week and it actually snapped it in half and I'm like, I was gonna stick my finger in there. No, glad I didn't. Okay, so when you're set because you're offended, you're, the trap is set on your life. This is the enemy. He does this to you. Some of you did it this morning, okay? So the trap is set. So I haven't touched it with two hands because I'm a little more careful now. Are you not when you're offended? Come on, this is truth. You gotta get it. When you're offended, you start to treat this offense a little differently. What do you do? You coddle it. You nurse it. You carry it around a little gentler because deep down inside you know you're dead if that thing goes off, right? So what do you do with an offense? First thing, I'm offended. If you've been on the worship team, I'm gonna pick on you because you live in my house. If you've been on the worship team, you can actually get offended just by being on the worship team. If you've been in any type of ministry, you can be offended. You know, people think you come into ministry and it's like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, you just stepped into war. And I'm not just warring for me now, I'm warring for all of you. So ministry is not this, woo, great thing. It is good, that's great. And we're blessed to be a part of it, right, Pastor Sean? But it's war, let's just be honest. So it's war. And the enemy wants you to fail, and so he wants all you to fail, so he comes after us, because we're the heads, right? Okay, so you start, you get offended. Let's say you get offended at the pastor. So you carry around this offense, and now you know my trigger is set and, and this could hurt more than a little. And so I'm gonna carry it very lightly. So you start to come into church and you start to carry it very lightly. And so you're very careful with it. You don't want it to go off and so you nurse it. And you say, ooh, I don't want this to, I don't want this to go off because this could really hurt me. Okay, but then after you nurse it for a while, you start to get more comfortable. If you haven't noticed, I've got two hands on it and I've had two hands on it while I've been talking for a purpose. Because once you nurse it for a while, then you start to actually talk about it more. And you start to rehearse it in your mind. Can you really believe that he did that? Can you really believe that that's what they did today? Can you really believe? You start to rehearse it. And some of you, I'm talking to myself, some of us have actually rehearsed it so much we believe it and we don't even remember what happened. So we get very comfortable with this. It's like, oh, I can carry this around and it's good now because I've made myself feel good about the offense that I took. So now I'm comfortable with the offense. I can walk around with it. I can bounce it around. I can do whatever, right? Step number three, the one in which the Lord has commanded you never to engage in, but we all do it, and that is we begin to disperse it careful. <laughs> Most people don't say that. They just say the pastor's an idiot. Hand it to you. Right? They don't give you the warning. The problem is that when we disperse it, now you carry the same offense. You never heard me say that. You never heard me even look that way. You never heard the songs that that was sung that day. You weren't here. But now you're carrying the offense. Now, we have a culture in our world that does that every day. And Jesus said that if you're carrying offense or if you are around anyone who's carrying offense, you could be offended. So be careful. He was telling his disciples, be careful. There is not a day that you will not have the opportunity to be offended. Now, we read last week this great verse in Psalm 119, or 119, uh, 165 that says great peace have they which love the law and nothing shall offend them so if I come to you and hand you the offense and you love the law you say no 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 not for me hand it back but everybody I'm going to give you the the lowdown on this not very many mature people can do that not very many mature people can you walk up to with an offense and they say, I don't want that. Because you know what? Whenever I hand you the offense, 
when that clamps down, you die. Not just me. You die now. And so we have, a, we have an offended world. We have an offended church. We have offended leaders. We have offended pastors. We have offended business people. We have offended politicians. Everybody's offended. Why are they offended? Because they experience the offense? No, no, no. They're offended because people nursed the offense and then they rehearsed it with themselves and then they gave it to someone else. That's why we have a problem. We have a problem because we have a world that gets offended at the littlest things, but they make it a big thing and then they hand it to someone else and we don't have maturity in the world to say, no, I'm not taking that offense. Uh Uh-uh. There was a situation in my life Don't talk about it often, but there was a situation in my life where I had to make a choice. Was I going to hear and take up the offense or was I not going to? And it was a big one. It was like life-changing, life-changing. Was I going to hear it, take it up, and do something with it or was I going to say no? And I said no. And in saying no, I lost a lot. It cost me a lot to say no. But in the end, I made out a lot better because I could have said, no, I'm going to receive that. My heart became tainted. I became unfruitful. And then I'm sitting somewhere else today, not here. We have to be mature. We have to understand what God has called us to do. So I'm going to give you a practical example because I like to mess with things. And I believe if we're quiet and we allow this stuff to go on, we're going to lose everything we have everything we have. When you disperse an offense to someone else, you are liable for wherever that trap goes. I don't care if it stays with that person. You're you're responsible for whoever dies with that. I know this is heavy, but you got to get it. If I bring an offense to you, Jeff, and I hand it to you, now you rehearse it, nurse it, and disperse it, I'm responsible for what you dispersed. Okay? See, we don't want to think that way because like, oh, it's out of my hands now. I feel good about myself. No. The restoration is as broad as the offense. So if you're perpetuating offense, you have to go restore all that. All of it. So if you've said something about someone to someone else, and they've said that to somebody about someone else, and and it goes on and on and on, your responsibility, because you started it, or you were a part of it, is to go and restore all those relationships all the way down the line, all the way to the end. Now, let's just take a 30,000 foot view of that looking down on a group of people, let's say 200 people, 100 people, whatever. One person disperses an offense and it now goes to 30 people and those 30 people outside of that group of 100 people talk to 3,000 people. Do you realize that you're the one that said it first? You have to go to all 3,000 people and restore the offense? You're responsible in the kingdom of heaven for the restoration of all of that. Because restoration is always as broad as the offense. Every time. So when someone comes to you with offense, do you want to be in that chain of going and apologizing and restoring everything? I don't think you probably want to. And do we really want to be the people that start it? So instead of taking this offense and and coddling it for a while and then getting comfortable with it because we've played with it so much, and then dispersing it, we need to stop when we start to see the process happen. Okay? So when you get offended, which you have an opportunity to every single day, Jesus told us, if you feel that coming on and you feel like you have to justify the way you feel inside with someone else, there's cheese on the trap. And it smells good. But it leads to your death and the death of a movement. I can't explain to you how many 
moves of God have gone on. But when the offense came in the back door of the church, everything stopped. The fruitfulness of the whole ministry was eliminated because of offense. And I'll tell you, we're not doing that here. We're not doing that here. If you're you're offended and you've spread the offense, go fix it. Before the end of the day, before the end of the day, apologize, go do it. If the person's not no longer with you on the planet because they've passed on, then fix it in your heart with the Lord. Restore it. So, what's happening today in our culture is that we are walking through something I never thought we would walk through, and that's because I didn't understand offense. But I'm starting to realize how deadly offenses can be. I'm starting to realize that when you're offended and then the trap goes shut and bitterness is now latched onto you, how hard it is to realize that it's actually on you. You would think it would hurt like that, but it doesn't most of the time. So what we have right now is we have a world that is living either triggered to go off or they already have the trap around their neck. And we as the church want to go out and have them meet Jesus, and I am all for that, so hear my heart. But oftentimes, before they can meet Jesus, they got to be able to breathe and get the thing off their neck. And so maybe the first time you meet somebody at the office, you don't just go say, hey, you need to be born again. Maybe you say, hey, I would love to talk to you about how you treat your husband because I just see some things that, man, seems like you're offended at your husband, and that's never going to be a fruitful marriage. Can, we go, can, our, can me and my husband and you and your husband go out to dinner? You see, sometimes people just need the trap off of their neck so that they can breathe. And they have to apologize sitting at the table. I'm sorry I was a jerk for 27 years. But what happens is, is because we don't want to deal with that, we just want to make everything religious instead of practical, People get infected with offense over and over and over and then you get into the circle and you get infected with offense. And so, I'm gonna offend you right now if you wanna pick it up. But I have to because this is so in our lives today, okay? So you gotta hear me, hear my heart. And if you're offended, then I apologize, but I'm not doing it to offend you. In this day and age, if you wanna be a pervert, You can be a pervert. God loves you as a pervert. Hopefully we as a church are mature enough to love you as a pervert. But there's a problem with being a pervert if it's not dealt with. Because even though God loves you and we love you, what's happening is we've got perverts who are taking that offense of the Lord and taking their perversion and teaching it in our schools. So you may be a pervert, and that's okay. We love you. God loves you. Hopefully you get restored. But when you take that perversion and put it inside of our children's schools, oh, now we got problems. Now we got problems. But if the church is offended at the pastor or the church is offended at their own stuff, they don't even understand the offense that the perverts are putting on your kids. There are people out there that are offended at God's word. They're leaders. They're offended at God. They're offended at God's purity. They're offended at you because you believe in God's purity. They think that they should be able to live their life however they want and teach your kids how to do it too. But they're offended. So they have no good fruit. It's all rancid fruit. And they're taking rancid fruit and putting it into the soil of our kids' hearts. In Florida, they passed a bill. Thank the Lord. Shouldn't have had to do it. They passed a bill that says that you can't teach sex to pre-K to three-year, third graders. 
okay? Now, if you need a law to tell you that you shouldn't be teaching sex to pre-K through three, third graders, then you're the problem. You shouldn't be around a school. You shouldn't be within 100 yards of a school. If you think that teaching that perversion is good for those kids, then you are more offended and more fruitless than anything I've ever experienced. You see, they're so into their sexual perversion and all the things that they do that they can't even see anything else. And it's because they're blinded by offense. If you dig down to every single one of them, they're offended at God, they're offended at their parents, they're offended at something. But what's happening is they they grew up in a dysfunctional life and they've said, you know what, I can live my life the way that I want to live it. And they've nursed their offense. They've nursed their offense. And so then, then they start to rehearse their offense. Oh, God is really mad at me. He took my grandmother. Oh, he's really mad. I've got to do something different. So they've nursed it. They've rehearsed it. And now they are in a physical position to disperse it. And who are they dispersing it to? The most young among us. Don't worry, I'm just trying to figure out how far I go with this. I think they're even offended that God's holy. I think that they're offended that God is holy and they know they're not. Somewhere deep down inside, that's in there. Like, I'm offended that God's holy and I'm not, and I've got to fix that, so I have to be in control. So we're living in this culture that is so offended at God, so offended at his holiness, so offended at you for believing in him, so offended at the Bible, so offended with right living because it doesn't fit their paradigm. They're so offended with purity that it's not enough just to be offended. Now they have to actually spew that offense into the school systems and onto the TV and everywhere you go. And Jesus said, you'll have a chance every single day to get offended. Are we seeing the dysfunction? Now they want to offend the littlest among us with their offense. The little kids don't even know what's going on. They want to finger paint. They don't need to know how to pleasure themselves. They need to finger paint. I want to read you a scripture that will change your life when you think about this. Turn with me back to Luke 17. You ready? If this ministers to you and you're ready, then demonstrate your readiness whenever I read it because this should give you the most unbelievable joy because we've all been there and if we hear the Lord and we change who we are, we don't have to go through this, but many people will. Verse one, then he said to the disciples, it is impossible but that offenses will come. Have I not read that three times already? You can be offended. I'm going to continue. But woe unto him through whom they come. If you're dispersing offense, you better pay attention to this next statement. If you've dispersed offense in this church, you better listen to this next statement. If you've dispersed offense in your marriage, you better listen to this next statement because this one's about you. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged around his neck and he is cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. You want to teach perversion in the school? It's better for you to have a millstone around your neck and thrown into the sea. Now tell me, if you have a millstone around your neck and you're thrown into the sea, I would think that that would be sort of stressful. (laughs) It might be a little torturous. It might be... A little deadly, yeah, you're right. (laughs) Now, I'm not against people that are perverts, and I'm because sexual purity is something we all deal with. Hear me? Shake your head if you hear me. We all have to deal with it. But when you begin to take the offense that you have at God or whoever, and you begin to turn that into something that you hand off to other people that are unaccountable it would be better for you that you have a millstone around your neck and thrown into the sea 
than to offend a little one. That's what we need. That's what we need. You see, homosexuality, transsexuality, bestiality, LGBTQ+, whatever, all that stuff, it's not new. It's all in here. The reason why people think it's new is because they don't read this. And Jesus actually tells you what needs to happen with it. It's not new. It's what the Bible has told us is around. The problem is, is that the enemy has used offense as the vehicle in which to distribute it. And we as the church have been complicit. I know it stings. I know it stings. But what hasn't happened before, this is my take on this, what hasn't happened before is a Christian nation to actually be so oblivious and offended as Christians that we distribute the offense without even knowing. Because some people are offended at what they're offended. They're offended at what they're doing. They're offended at God or whoever else that makes them perpetrate the nonsense. But Christians are offended at them, and so now we're both not fruitful in the kingdom. Huh. And we wonder why the world doesn't even look at the churches if we matter. Because we're as offended at them as they are at God. They're perpetrating the nonsense. We're offended at the nonsense. And then now nobody's producing fruit. And the enemy's sitting back saying, wow, that whole church, it's dead. They're all just offended. I don't even have to show up there. So we have a culture that has a lot of offense to be so rampant that now it's affecting our kids and we have to guard our hearts so that we're not offended at what they're doing. So when we get offended and the trap stick is set, the thing that will kill us is the bitterness, the anger, the frustration, the unforgiveness. That's what will kill us. And that's what will kill the church. It's not the offense about what they're doing. It's the bitterness that comes in our heart that pushes out all that seed. And then the enemy comes in and says, oh, you were happy to receive the truth, but it never took root, so I'm gonna take it back. Turn with me to Matthew 24. I'll try to give you some hope. I know it's been a hard one today, but... Verse 1, 24, Matthew 24. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See, ye are not all things, all these things. Verily I say to you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that should not be thrown down. And Jesus, or sorry, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when shall these things be? Now, we're talking about the end of the age. I'm not gonna get into that today. Many better scholars than me of what's happening. I'm just gonna give you my perspective on this. And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Now, no matter where your eschatology stands on when we're getting, whatever happens at the end here, all I'm gonna say is, as we read this, realize that our goal is to endure till the end. No matter when that end is, okay? So we're not gonna debate that today. Verse number four, and Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no man deceive you. Not only will you have times every single day when you can be offended, but his warning to his disciples who are saying, When's the end gonna happen? What's it gonna look like? What, what is this gonna be? I don't care what your eschatology is. You cannot be deceived in the last hour. That's what he's saying. Do not be deceived because men will try to deceive you. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. Now, get this perspective. He's not talking to the multitude. He's talking to the disciples. He's not talking to the people that were sort of, I'll be with you today, but I won't be here tomorrow. No, he's talking to the core, and he's saying, many will be deceived, 
and you might be in that group. That's an indictment on the church. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. How many of you in the last 72 hours have been troubled about something in the world? If your hand's not up, you're not alive. But the word says, do not be troubled in the end times. Why? For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. Every time you get there, it's crickets, Pastor Sean. Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted, and they shall kill you. And you shall be hated for all the nations for my sake. I mean, there's your plan. Jesus is telling his core people, this is what you're doing. Now, we live in America, and we may think this may not come to us, but I'm telling you, this is for the church. And then shall many, you ready for 10? I'll hold off for a second and let you catch your breath. Oh, the whole death thing. <laughs> Everybody sort of paused and held their breath. Oh, death. Oh. I'll go to verse 10. This will help you. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Summit family, I, we are coming into some days that you've never seen and I've never seen. Our ancestors have never seen. Many people will try to deceive us. Many people will try to, the love of many will wax cold, it says. That's believers. The love of many believers will wax cold. People will turn against people in the church. Nation will rise against nation. Wars and rumors of wars. Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold. Verse 13, this is my hope to end today. But he that shall endure till the end, the same shall be saved. I don't know what has gone on in your life. I don't know what offenses you've carried. I don't know if you have 50 of them right now. But what I do know is that there is hope in Jesus. And Jesus said, do not be offended. You'll have a chance to be offended every single day. You're going to have a chance to believe things that are not true and the people want to deceive you every single day as the church. But if you stick close to me and you endure till the end, you shall be saved. So what do we do? How do we end this? What, what is this? Lord, help me. I believe we're in a season where we have to actually understand that this is not this is not like the practice session. If we can't learn how to be unoffendable, then we're still back in the peewee leagues. We, we're in the big leagues, people. There are people dying every day that we're called to minister to and help, lead them to Jesus, disciple them, walk them through their brokenness to healing. That's our call as the church in this hour. And Jesus looked all the way down through the annals of time from eternity past to eternity future and he said, I want you to be in this place, in this hour, for this moment because I know that I can trust you. Now, some of you don't understand that and you'll get it some other day, but I'm telling you, he looked down through the annals of time and said, I trust Jeff today. Now, what that means in all these verses, theologians can tell you and all that. Listen, I want to listen to a pastor who says he doesn't have it all together. That's who I listen to. So, I mean, I don't have it all together. But what I'm telling you is, I know that if you have offense in your heart, you're going to be fruitless. And if we're offended at the dirty, perverted junk going on in the world, and we're offended at it, we lose our fruitfulness. So what do we do about that? What do we do about that? We pray about it, number one. We take that to the Lord and we do some warfare. 
What else do we do about it? Well, if we can vote, if it's in our area, we do the best we can with the legal system that we have to make sure it doesn't happen on our watch. And then number three, we love, love, love. And we will see change. We will see things happen. I don't know what the end will be. I don't know how it looks. I don't know which one of us are gonna see some of these things. But what I do know is it says, if you endure till the end and you are not offended, you will be saved. Stand with me. Are you Michael? Offended that people are excited when they get transformation? Do you have a root of bitterness in your heart that came from an offense you don't even remember? Have you perpetrated offense and dispersed it to other people? Have you held the offense in your heart, kept it to yourself, but every day you pet it a little bit just so you can keep it with you because it's become comfortable? Do you nurture that offense and rehearse it in your mind and say, oh, this is just, it's been so wrong. I've been done so wrong. Do you do that? The Lord wants you to be free. Free from all of it. So I'm going to pray over you. I want you to hold your heart before the Lord this morning. And just as Caitlin has said, ask the Lord to wash it, prepare it, heal it, cleanse it, restore it. Because God is looking for a church that is unoffendable. God is looking for a church that even in the midst of being able to be offended every single minute of every single day, that is filled with his love and his heart for everyone around. That's what he wants, and that's what I want for you. That's what I want for you. So if you just get a posture with your head bowed, your eyes closed, I want you to put your hands out in front of you. I want you to hold your heart. And I'm not talking about the beating thing. We don't need bloody hands in the room. We just need to have our hearts pure before the Lord. Here's what I know about Scripture, that everywhere that man provided a sacrifice, the Lord sent fire. Every time man humbled himself enough to stand before the Lord and hold out a sacrifice, the Lord always showed up. And we love Hebrews 13.8. And it says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that tells me that if you hold your heart before the Lord as a sacrifice to be cleansed and purified by his fire, he'll do it right now in this moment. Right now. He's not going to wait six months till you figure it out. He's going to do it right now. But you have to hold it before him. So Father, right now, in this place, in your presence, I join with my brothers and sisters and I hold my heart before you. And I say, take it, cleanse it, purify it. Teach me how to love the way that you love. Teach me how to see the world the way that you see the world. And every broken part of my heart, I ask you to heal it today in this moment. Don't just send your fire on my heart. Consume all of me that I may be who you've called me to be. Touch me, Lord, today. Heal my heart. Restore my life. Lord, touch those around me that I need to go apologize with and may there be grace, forgiveness, and love. Lord, change us as a body. Change us as a family. That when people think of the summit, they think of the unoffendable church. The church that 
that loves and loves and loves and loves and loves, but they don't get offended. They do stand on truth. We'll talk about that next week. They do stand on truth, but they're not going to be offended by the things of this world. And you know what? If you bring them an offense, it dies right there. If you bring an offense to somebody from the summit, it dies immediately. It does not go further. So Lord, we surrender to you today. Heal us, deliver us, set us free from all the bondages and trappings of this world. And we hand it all to you today, never to pick it up again. Never to pick it up again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you enjoyed today's message, I would like to encourage you to like it and share it on all social media platforms or jump on the website, thesummitdover.com or the app and click the giving link and help us continue to share the message of the kingdom across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.